Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, so Matt, did you know that I was named after my dad? Uh, no, I don't think I knew that. Yeah, it would have been really weird if I'd have been named before him. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the graveyard. Thank you for joining us tonight. My name is Adam. And my name's Matt. Now, pull up a tombstone or settle into your casket and get comfortable because this is Graveyard Tales. All right, everybody. Here we are again. Um, and as you can tell, um, I sound really weird um, because I'm sick as Adam, a dog. Adam is sick. Oh, I'm sicker than I'm. Well, I almost cussed. I'm sicker than I have been in a long time. <laughs> we'll put it that way. This is the life of living with children. Uh, yeah. They bring get, all the germs to you. You don't even have to leave home to get them. Right. It's amazing. It's like a delivery service. Germ Ooh. delivery service. <laughs> Uh, and me being a slight germaphobe, that's not fun. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's like Howie Mandel. He fist, fist bumps everybody. <laughs> eh, not quite that bad, but close. <laughs> Very close. Um. All right. So wanted to tell everybody again, go check out the Podbelly Network, podbelly.com. You can find information on how to start your own podcast and recording info and all that. And you can find other shows similar to ours or some that you may not ever run across because you don't go searching for that kind of stuff. So podbelly.com. We've got a live show uh, on SIA, one of our interactive live shows, March 7th, which is a Saturday. And it's going to be 8 to 930 Central Standard Time. Um, We're waiting on Sia to set up the room so that y'all can buy tickets, but it's going to be the same link that we used last time um, for this show. So whenever they get it set up, we'll post the link so that y'all can go click over and buy a ticket and join us then. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be like six bucks with a forty (laughs) nine dollar ticket master fee. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, guess we got to get that uh, that what is it, convenience fee yeah. in there. Guess guess who just bought concert tickets and is a little bitter, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, it won't be anywhere near that much. Um, uh, no, no, it will not. It's a joke. Yeah, it, it'll be a, a couple bucks, but um, the link will also be on our website. Um, and another link that's on our website is the link to our Pigeon Forge show, which is July 18th in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, that we'll be joining Hillbilly Horror Stories for. So we look forward to seeing y'all there in person where we can shake your hand or fist bump um, and talk with y'all a little bit there. So if you're interested, go to graveyardpodcast.com and click over there and buy you a ticket. Yeah, if you're in the area, you know it's a nice little weekend getaway. 
Uh, if you're if you hadn't made any vacation plans, look, Pigeon Forge in Gatlinburg is a lot of fun in the summer. There's a lot of stuff to oh, do, yeah. and if you think, hey, I can uh, I can take a vacation with my family, and I can catch Adam and Matt and Jerry and Tracy, then uh, please do. Uh, we would we would love to see everybody come out. Yeah, it'd be great to see y'all and and get to meet y'all. Um, so Matt, before my voice gives out, um, why don't we get into this? Tell us what we're talking about tonight, brother. Okay, so tonight we're going to be discussing the Ashmore Estates, and if you've never heard of this place, then you're like me. I never <laughs> heard of this place, um, but it, it it's really. I mean, it, it's got a lot of cool history, like some of the places that we've talked about, um, but it, it's not as gory or mm-hmm. scary or a situation where the history is more terrifying than the actual haunting. Yeah, uh, exactly. It's, it's really not like that. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a unique place, but it is very, very active and... It's actually set up now for ghost hunting. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is it is designed for paranormal investigators. A lot like the the Pittsburgh Hospital Absolutely. we investigated. Yeah, I mean it it's it's sitting there just waiting. Come, you know, spend the night, investigate, because we got a lot of stuff going on in here. <laughs> right, <laughs> there's a really good chance if you had the opportunity to to go and and experience Ashmore Estates that something is going to happen that probably would, uh, it, well, it would scare me. You know, I don't yeah, know about y'all. Right. Y'all, y'all may be a lot braver than I am. So. <laughs> uh, so like Matt was saying, um, the history is not super bloody and super gory and all that stuff. And, and for a history buff like myself, I was expecting to kind of see that. Because when you talk about a place that has a lot of paranormal activity, that's the first thing you think is, well, yeah. this has been around forever, so there's got to be some bloody history and stuff to it. But it was a place that could have housed a lot of intense emotions. Sure. Um, so we'll get into that and uh, kind of talk about it a little bit. It is actually in Ashmore, Illinois. Um, it's 22645 East County Road, 1050 North Ashmore, Illinois, if you want to go check it out and drive over there and find it. If any of y'all are close, um, go by and take us some pictures, send them to us. But it was built many, many moons ago, and I've got a little blurb here um, that I thought was funny that I wanted to put up front. Um, it said, after being abandoned in 1987, Ashmore Estates gained notoriety as a local curiosity and was subjected to trespass and vandalism. Now, rumors spread that the building was haunted. Um, for the Halloween issue of the Verge section of the Daily Eastern News, Mike Rice and Matt Fear wrote a satirical piece on how to make Ashmore Estates into a, quote, highly illegal Halloween escapade says quote no one is really sure what this building once housed they wrote but there are stories these tales revolve around pagan rituals and disembod dismembered bodies we aren't yeah um we aren't sure if any of them are true or not but they sure do make for three floors of unadulterated fun 
So I thought that was funny that in 87, they were pushing this place as just this gory, you know, pagan rituals, dismembered bodies place in a newspaper there. So I wanted to start with that because I thought it was funny. Now let's get into the real history of it. From 1857 to about 1869, the Coles County Poor Farm was located in that area near the small town of Luxa, Illinois. Um, and if you don't know what a poor farm is, that's when people say I'm headed to the poor house. Mm-hmm. That's that's what it was, is it was if you were down and out and you most likely, you know, most of the time it was elderly people that couldn't work a job, um, their health you know, permitted them to basically just be laid around and and they couldn't pay rent at their house. Well, they were put in this government run poor farm Mm -hmm. um, and the ones that were their spouses or whatever that were able bodied, they did put to work on the farm doing labor throughout the day. And the rest of them just kind of stayed, you know, in, in this big building, Yeah, you know, and all of this, uh, that was all before the Social Security Act took place. Yeah. So they, they kind of got rid of the poor farms and poor houses once the Social Security Act kind of took over. I'm surprised I didn't grow up in a place like this. Oh, yeah? Because my mother used to tell me all the time, Matt, you're going to put us in the poor house. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, what am I doing? You know? Right. I think I think it a lot of it was in reference to me outgrowing shoes. Yeah. So, yep. you know. Look. Yeah, I I was told that when I was eating. I can't and, I can't help eat it. us into the poor house. You know. I can't I I quit growing taller but my feet kept growing longer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got a good understanding. <laughs> yeah, I heard that a lot. Yeah, right. <laughs> Well, in 1870, the county purchased 260 acres uh, from A.N. Graham in Section 35 of Ashmore Township for a new farm. And this new farm kind of sat over the Indianapolis and St. Louis railroads. Well, there was a small timber and brick building that was constructed by H.B. Truman that was the first to sit on this property. And it was only 38 by 58 feet um, and two stories tall with an attached kitchen and you know they started that was the very first building and then they started building on from there Mm. um but you gotta have you gotta have a starting place and it was only 38 by 58 feet well many residents or they termed them inmates um well that's a terrible term right i mean i'm having trouble making ends meet oh well you can be an inmate at the poorhouse yeah, come what? be an inmate at my poor farm. Yeah. That's too uh, much too much of a prison connotation there for me, man. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> um, well, many of them actually died at the farm, and the county maintained this small cemetery just a little bit north of the grounds. And in 1879, Joshua Ricketts, who was superintendent of the county farm, had apparently recorded 32 deaths out of roughly 250 of the, quote, inmates who stayed at the farm. And this was just in nine years between 1870 and 1879. Um, There is another, quote, pauper cemetery that was established a few years later. And it actually still exists um, off Route 16 
and now contains the graves of between 60 to 100 different people. You know what's funny when I hear that, you know, the cemetery still exists? Guess what? They all still exist. You just, yeah, may, right. not, you just may not be able to see the, the tombstones. Yeah. <laughs> They're still there. They all still exist. We just <laughs> built on top of them. That's right. We just went, and I don't see any tombstones here, so uh, let's build something here. Yep. But the cemetery must not exist anymore. That's right. Yeah, no. It, it doesn't exist anymore. You know, <laughs> they, you know they expire after 100 years, so. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, they got a shelf life, so, oh, gosh. you know, yeah. dispose of after date printed on side of tombstone. Yeah. A- ask, ask anybody that's built something on top of an ancient Indian burial ground, if that's a yeah. good idea. <laughs> yeah, it goes away. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Just spray this on the ground. It'll be fine. <laughs> yeah it's called ghost off um and it it's like uh you have your exterminator come out to get rid of ants yeah yeah oh. i need to get rid of these spirits yeah spirit away yeah. with the new spray my xbox isn't working there's a <laughs> there's an ancient indian spirit that keeps punching the off button mm-hmm. hell i would too if i was haunting a place i'd screw with the electronics <laughs> Make the teenage kids mad. Uh-huh. All right. So the building contract for a new almshouse, which is another term for the same thing that we've been talking about, was granted to J.W. Montgomery uh, in March for $289. And the first cornerstone of this was laid on May 17th of 1916. And they had this big ceremony, you know, to to lay this first cornerstone and all that. Um, well, there was a full-time caretaker who lived there um, and his family, and they all took turns like living at that house or, or another white farmhouse that sat on the property. Well, the Coles County sold this almshouse to Ashmore Estates Incorporated in February of 1959. Now, this corporation opened the building as a private psychiatric hospital and they called it Ashmore Estates Incorporated. So right there, we've got the first mention of a psychiatric hospital. But if you think about it, a poor farm would have a lot of high energy, you know, negative energy there. Because you got mm-hmm. people into their rope. They can't afford to live. They're at the end of their life. And so you'd have a lot of negative energy there because they don't want to be there. And then they take that and they convert it to a psychiatric hospital. Yeah. And that we've talked about psychiatric hospitals before that holds a lot of negativity. Yeah. and But, you know, from what I saw, the the original psychiatric hospital, it, it wasn't necessarily a bad thing. No, the original. They, no, they 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 were originally trying to help people that it was a place you went. And you actually received treatment. Now, how effective that treatment was for the time that this occurred, we can't sure. really say. But it certainly wasn't a place, you know, where you just stuck somebody and let them rot or you handed them over to a bunch of wackadoos that were going to perform insane experiments on them. Right. We've um, talked about those places. Yeah. I mean, you know, they, in the beginning this place was legit. You right. know, it was there to help people, but still, even, even 
what we would say is a traditional hospital, um, there's still a lot of energy there. Sure. I mean, you know, we've, we've definitely talked about haunted hospitals. We mentioned one earlier. Um, so, so there's going to be a lot of energy there along with, you know, whatever was left when it was the poor farm, mm-hmm. you know, so a, a lot of things going on here again, not, not a bloody, horrible, tragic history associated with this place, but just a lot of people, you know, a, a lot of people that were living, trying to live the best life they could, um, just a, a lot of energy around that area. Right. Well, in October of 1964, just five years, basically in operation, the hospital closed down because of debt. So I guess because they were trying to do it right, they, uh, you know, the good they always goes first. Money. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, well, the institution reopened in 1965, but instead of being a private facility, um, they changed to one that accepted patients from state mental institutions. Yeah. So, so this is this is where this is where you run into issues. Right. Right. That's where the state mental institutions were the ones that were doing the things that Matt was talking about. Yeah. Um, I mean, they were the ones that housed people that were considered to be dangerous in society. Yep, exactly. You know, either to themselves or others. Um, You know, so a lot of times it was it it was more like a psychiatric prison. It was Mm -hmm. like, we got to get you off the street. We're going to put you here. Right. And if you were talking about somebody that was out of control you know they they would just find the the most effective method to control them right if that meant restraining them you know drugging them both you know whatever um you know locking them away for long periods of time and and solitary confinement um just to try to keep them subdued you know those type practices which you know in a lot of ways were accepted at the time because mm-hmm. unfortunately nobody was interested in helping these people and so many people were afraid of them that they didn't know what else to do and so right. it was an accepted practice but it it leaves a mark on these locations where this occurred oh absolutely um you can't have something like that like we've talked many times before you can't have something with that high energy, whether good or bad, without having a resonance to it years mm-hmm. down the line. Um, well, by 1968, the shelter uh, care facility housed only about 49 residents. So it wasn't like they were packing way too many in there. Um, Ten of those people that were there, they said, had epilepsy. So there's... You know, there, there's the thing of we don't understand what's going on, so we're going to put you in a psychiatric hospital. Right. Um, epilepsy is not something to put someone in a psychiatric hospital for, but back then, we that's know what that. you did. We know that now. Exactly. Well, And hell, they may have known it then. They just didn't know what else to do. Right. They didn't care. Um, Paul Swinford and Galen Martini purchased the institution in July of 1976, and they invested over $200,000 in the construction of a modern addition onto the old building. Construction began in 77, but wasn't finished until the 80s. 
And once the addition to Ashmore Estates had been completed um, and the rest of the building was brought up to code, the institution's future, they said, quote, appeared brighter. Well, in February of 86, Paul Swinford entered into a limited partnership with a Peoria-based company known as Convalescent Management Associates. Um, And this was to help manage the institution's finances since they had gone bankrupt once already. They didn't want to do that again. Well, the Department of Public Aid and Public Health dragged their feet over the issuance of proper licenses and certificates for almost a year, which led Swinford to file for permission from the Illinois Health Facility Planning Board to close a facility. At that time, Ashmore States' financial losses exceeded $1.5 million. By the end of April, all the residents had been transferred to area homes and Ashmore Estates closed its doors. So it that place has had some trouble with money yeah, over its history. Yeah. Um, but I guess that's, you know, to be said when you're doing the kind of stuff they're doing, uh, you know, you you can get yourself into into debt pretty quickly. Well, especially if you're uh, if you're dependent on outside funding, mm-hmm. you know, you think, hey, we're spending too much money for this place, so we're going to cut the budget for right. this place, and now they can't operate. And they're charged with taking care of all these people that have lived there for years, and now they're like, oh, what are we going to do? Well, we're right. going to close our doors, we're going to find a new place for all these folks to live. Yeah, right. Out, out you go, shutter the windows, lock the door, peace out. Yeah, right. You know, which is essentially what happened. Yeah. You know, it just was left left empty. Right. Um, It was left empty, but in 1998, a resident of Sullivan named Arthur Coclazier paid $12,500 for the property, and he said that he had plans to renovate the building and turn it into his home. Well, he had continuous vandalism of the property, so that kind of kept him from being able to do that, and he finally gave up on that idea. In 2004, Michael Clean included Ashmore Estates in a collection of short historical fiction stories set in Coles County called Tales of Coles County, Illinois. Now, the story involved a man named Darby and his daughter who stayed at the poor farm during the Great Depression. Darby was tormented by ghosts uh, by the ghost of a girl named Elva Skinner who died in a fire in the original almshouse. Well, since that publication, several people have claimed that the ghost of Elva actually haunts that building. Um, now, there's a new edition of Tales of Coles County, and it was released in 2010. Yeah. Now, Elva Skinner, let's talk about her for a minute. Now, in February of 1880, um, a fire broke out at what was then the Coles County Poor Farm. Um, and it took the life of this young girl named Elva Skinner. She was, depending on the source you look at, she was either five years old or almost five when this happened. And Elva was getting ready one morning on a cold winter morning and was said to have stood maybe a little too close to the fireplace and it caught her dress on fire. And the fire quickly spread throughout the rest of the room and Elva was burned and eventually died. 
before anybody could get to her to help her. It's a horrible way to go. It's and it's it's a it's a tragic story. Now, EVPs have been recorded in Ashmore Estates with the voice of a young girl crying out for help and looking for her mama. Now, investigators automatically attribute these to Elva. Now, these voices are usually captured around the second and third floors of Ashmore Estates. Now, a lot of people will dismiss this idea that it's actually the spirit of Elva Skinner because they say, why would this spirit haunt a location where she actually never lived? Um, but it's, it's not the building. It's the location. Right. And, you know, the building that sits that's Ashmore Estates is on the same site as what was the original Coles County Poor Farm. Right. You know, so it's one of those things where we we talk about when you when you renovate an old property and and you'll find that activity increases. Oh, yeah. It's it's not so much that there's something about the building. In, in those situations, although, you know, the, the buildings do hold some history, um, but the, the location is is what is key and the spirits don't know the difference. You right. know, again, you know, you, you we, we've talked about this briefly and, and and I've actually seen this diagrammed where it'll show, you know, an original floor plan of a house that was torn down and somebody possibly died in it and then you've got the floor plan of a new house and then it'll show like a path of somebody who's experiencing a haunting there and they're like well they'll see this figure you know walk from this point through a wall you know and go into this and you know Mm -hmm. but if you look at the original floor plan you know it, it follows a path that would have been consistent with the original house that was there right it hasn't changed for them yeah something along those lines right you know they're they're they may not even be experiencing what's going on in this time. Right. You know, you may just be seeing, you know, that that replay, that stone tape, you know, the, the thing over and over and over that just, you know, it, it's it's trapped and and you're just you're just there to witness it. And it has nothing to do with the fact that you're on the second floor or the third floor necessarily. Um so again, you have to believe in all this stuff to believe that. But, um, you know, if, if you're, if you're really into this and you, you buy into this idea, then the fact that it's not the original building doesn't really matter. Now there's a, there's very little documented about, uh, Elvis Skinner's short life, but the records show that she did indeed live and die in a fire at the Coles County poor farm. So there's evidence that she was a real person. This is not a. Not a completely yeah, not a fictional character. Yeah, and um, and Michael Clean's book is you know the stories are categorized as historical fiction, so it's kind of like the movie Titanic. We're gonna we're gonna put a fiction a fictitious story around actual historical events, right? So take a small bit of history and then embellish. Yeah, yeah. I mean, why not? Yeah, it makes for a better story. It does. It does. But, you know, an, another um, another spirit that's well known to Ashmore Estates is that of another gentleman that lived and died there. 
And his name was Joe Bloxham. Now, Joe was a gentleman who... That just makes me think of Floxham and Jetsam. <laughs> yeah, it does. Bloxham. Bloxham and Jetsam. Bloxham and Jetsam and Bloxham. <laughs> okay, I get it. <laughs> but anyway, Joe was, uh, Joe was a man. He fell on hard times, and he was forced to move into the poor farm in 1906 or become an inmate. Uh-oh. Ugh, I hate that. Yeah. But at the time when he moved in, he was 61 years old, and he kind of found his place uh, assisting the superintendent with maintaining the grounds and doing odd jobs around the property, and he lived there for 15 years. Oh, wow. So this was his home. Yeah. You know, this wasn't just a, a stopping point on the way to another point of his life. This this was his home. Yeah. 15 years, yeah. Now, when he was 76... Joe took a trip to Charleston when a motorist passed him limping down the road. The motorist picked him up and helped him get home, but along the way learned that Joe had been struck by a train. Not, oh, not head on, obviously. Yeah. But maybe just, just clipped. Like Nicked maybe him. he was yeah. he was trying to beat the train, you know, get across the tracks or something, or maybe he was trying to jump on the train and missed and you know what anyway. It was a bad deal for Joe. Sure. And and his, you know, his body, um, it, it was overwhelmed. I mean, this this was a trauma that he just he just couldn't couldn't overcome. Now the the motorist got him back to the home, and he was immediately taken downstairs to the boiler room, which is where he spent most of his time. So there's an assumption that he had a bed down there. You know that. Yeah. You know, he was helping the superintendent. So. You know, maybe he kept an eye on things in the basement. Or maybe they thought that the warmth in the boiler room would would kind of help um, with shock. You know, things like that. Because, you know. I, or they just said, get get him away from us. We don't want to deal with it. Put him in the boiler room. <laughs> maybe. But, you know, I did a WebMD search. And um, when I Google, when I, when I WebMD search uh, what to do if you get hit by a train, Get to a boiler room was not a treatment option. So, <laughs> right. So, well, I, you know, I don't know. Maybe they were thinking, uh, you know, that at this time, that's the first thing we do is we take them to the boiler room. Yeah. That just makes me think that I don't think people realize what weird paths our research takes us on. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not <laughs> just a straightforward path of research in this stuff. We will find a little nugget and then we'll end up somewhere else on the on the interwebs that we never yeah. thought we would end up on. So look, it, it ain't nothing for, you know, Adam or myself to get a text from the other one and be like, Hey, did you know, <laughs> like, no, where did you, <laughs> what, is, why, yeah. you know, I've oh, been doing well, this for the past 30 minutes. I've, <laughs> they mentioned this, which caused me to search for that. And then that mentioned this, which I Googled and right. oh my God. <laughs> right. Are we going to use this in the show? No, it has nothing to do with what we're no. looking at. Yeah. We can't use that in the show, but, you know. Help, throw me a rope. I've fallen down this rabbit hole. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, Matt. So let's take a, a second and talk about this week's sponsor, AMC Shutter. Now, AMC Network Shutter is a premium streaming video service, super serving members with the best selection in genre entertainment covering horror, thrillers, and the supernatural. 
Shudder's expanding library of film, TV series, and originals is available on most streaming services in the U.S., Canada, the U.K., Ireland, and Germany. And they have a new exclusive series, The Deadlands, which is now streaming, and it features a slain Maori warrior, and this ties into our live show when we were talking about the Maori. Um, it has a slain Maori warrior, Waka Nuku Rao, who's sent back to the world of the living to redeem his sins. But the world Waka returns to is ravaged by a breach between that of the living and that of the dead. As the spirits of the newly deceased now stalk the lands and hunt its inhabitants, follow Waka and his companion Mihi as they work to close the rift and restore balance. The series presents elements of action, adventure, and the supernatural, and was produced with a special focus on the heritage of the indigenous Maori tribe of New Zealand. Catch new episodes streaming every Thursday. And you'll have unlimited access to stream ad-free on all your favorite devices. iPhone, Android, iPad, Apple TV, Xbox One, Amazon Fire TV, and so many more. For just $5.99 a month or $56.99 a year, you can stream great thrillers, horror, and the supernatural. Shudder has the largest, fastest-growing, human-curated selection of thrilling and dangerous entertainment. It truly is the Netflix for horror. And Amanda and I, we thoroughly enjoy our Shudder subscription. Yeah. Um, and we've mentioned before uh, the show Discovery of Witches. Great uh, which show. Was which was one of our favorite books. It's a fantastic show. It's well-written, an unbelievable storyline, and, and we can't wait until the next season comes out. So go and check that out along with all of your other horror favorites and some you may not have ever heard of. Mm-hmm. So go check it out. And you can try Shudder for free for 30 days. All you got to do is go to Shudder.com and use the promo code GRAVE. So that's S-H-U-D-D-E-R dot com and use the promo code G-R-A-V-E. That's right. Graveyard Tales listeners can try Shudder free for 30 days. Just go to Shudder.com. That's S-H-U-D-D-E-R dot com and enter the promo code GRAVE. G-R-A-V-E. But uh, but poor old Joe, he didn't make it, and he died right there in the boiler room, and he's reportedly buried in that small burial plot on the premises of what is now Ashmore Estates. Now, investigators believe that Joe not only never left that boiler room, he doesn't take very kindly to people poking around down in there. Now, uh, a man named Leslie Michael of the Illinois Metaphysical and Paranormal Society was quoted as saying, even if you're not seeing anything or actively hearing anything, you feel like you're not alone. And he's referring to the boiler room at Ashmore State. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, th- th- that right there, y- you know, is everybody has felt that. Oh, sure. You know, especially if we're talking about being in a basement, um, you know, and, and just kind of getting that feeling that there's something standing behind me and I'm not going to turn around and look. Yeah. Because if I turn around and look, it's going to scare me. So I'm just going to stand here and be scared. 
Yeah. And we've talked before. Um, I think we've talked on the show before. I get, I forget what we actually talk about on air versus not on air, but, um, you know, I, I feel like the way that spirits communicate to us the most is through feelings rather yeah. than something physical, moving something, letting you see it or whatever. The most common communication is through a feeling. That's why it's a personal experience and you can't validate it. Yeah, exactly. And see that. And I'm glad you said that because so many people that are skeptics or just flat out cynics, their expectation is, is that somebody at some point is going to produce rock solid evidence of, you know, ghosts or whatever. Yeah. And I just, I don't think that that's ever going to happen. No, me either. Because Adam is exactly right. That, that weird feeling you get, you know, that something's behind you or that you're not alone or the hairs standing up on your arm, you know, all of that stuff, it, it, you, you can't quantify that, Mm -hmm. you know, you either feel it or you don't. And because of that, so many people are always going to be right there to say, it's your imagination. It's a cold breeze. You know, it's, it's, an an anomaly of light coming through a window at a certain time of day and there's a crack in the window or whatever. Low frequency sound waves making your brain see stuff. So, you know, there are going to be people that are never, ever going to be convinced of this. And and Adam and I are not the two that are going to try to convince anybody. (laughs) We're just, we're just trying to put out the information and let you be the judge. I mean, that's the whole point. You know, if if you believe it, fine. If you don't believe it, that's fine, too. Yeah. You know, but a, a lot of investigators have spent time in this boiler room because it is so active and people claim that they have been touched, scratched or even grabbed by an invisible hand while exploring the boiler room. Electronic equipment routinely malfunctions in there and some report having had objects like light bulbs thrown at them and there was one particular case where a local tv host named mark rivera visited ashmore estates to film a halloween special now while they were down in the boiling boiler room he was talking to leslie michael who i mentioned before and his cameraman steve Steve, the cameraman, um, I know him, decided to wander into the next room. Not Never a good idea. No. We're down here in what is supposed to be a haunted boiler room, and Steve just decides, wonder what's in here. Well, it's like Blink-182 said, stay together for the kids, or something <laughs> like that. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, my, my mom, you know, stay with your group. Yep, exactly. Stay, stay with your group. We, we have... If you've learned nothing else from this show, you've learned to stay with your group. And Have don't a buddy. Be, and don't be the last in line. Right. Or the first. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just get in the middle and enjoy. Ride it out. Um, but, but the camera footage that Steve's camera managed to capture pans across an old table with dirty wires and cables and light bulbs. Now, as it passes, you can hear a clank and some swearing. 
<laughs> now, Steve, Steve said the light bulb flew off the table and hit him in the neck. Oh, wow. So Joe's got pretty good aim. And and I don't know if the swearing came from Joe or Steve when he got hit by a light bulb. <laughs> <laughs> I would imagine it was Steve. Probably. Because <laughs> that, that would have been me, too. Um, but Michael Leslie reports that this is not an unusual occurrence in the boiler room and that Joe really seems angry most of the time. Uh, he also says that sometimes growling can be heard from the shadows, which they're not really sure is Joe. They think it could be something else. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, usually I, growling from the shadows. If you don't own a dog, yeah. it's not a good sign. No, that's it, not a good thing. <laughs> Makes it, me think of uh, oh, uh, Bobby Mackey's. You know? Yeah, yeah, a lot exactly. Of growl, a lot of growling goes on down in that basement, yep. and it's not good. Right, so, and it's usually a uh, uh, human spirit, what you would consider a human spirit, doesn't growl at you. Right. They talk to you, you know, or scream at you, but they don't tell growl. You to leave. Yeah. Tell you to get out. Get out. Get out is a common thing that's heard at, at Ashmore Estates. Um, there, there are a lot of audible voices not there there are a lot of evps as well but there's a lot of audible voices that people pick up you mm-hmm. know and, and and you know whether it's whether it's somebody being told to get out or somebody you know answering a question you know things like there's there's a lot more of that than we usually see in haunted places i need water <laughs> where's my sweet tea <laughs> I hate trains. Yeah. <laughs> um, but beyond those two spirits that are named, there are shadow figures at Ashmore Estates. Now, We've got these, history with them. We do. And, and these are very common, but they're always referred to, at least in the research that I did, as shadow figures, not necessarily shadow people but it seems that they act the same so i'm i'm thinking they're using the term synonymously oh probably Um, but you know adam and i have talked about shadow people and shadow people are not spirits of past humans they are something totally different yeah and 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 have their own unique abilities an enigma all their own yeah so but apparently ashmore is full of them so um there's a, a caretaker and tour guide there named hannah who says that moving shadows are very frequent and reports that she personally has witnessed shadows walk across the room walk toward her and even walk right into her, which she says is not very pleasant. I can only imagine. Oh, yeah. That's no but, thanks. Um, but shadow figures have also been seen in the boiler room, often described as moving shadows that seem to peek out from behind objects or from around door facing. Now, in the upstairs rooms, Hannah describes seeing a shadow figure that she suspected to be a little girl. She didn't know. So apparently it was a shorter one, but, but like we said that I, I wouldn't necessarily tie that into Elvis Skinner, um, because 
ghosts and shadow people, two different things. Right. Um, now, actually, Nick Groff of Ghost Adventures and uh, Paranormal Lockdown, he felt like one of these shadow figures targeted him. Now, during an investigation, one of the cameramen noticed a black mass creep out of one of the rooms and then go back in. And what did he do? He told Nick that he should go in there and check it out. <laughs> hey. <laughs> yeah. I just I, saw some really scary junk. Go in there. <laughs> so maybe you should go and check it out. Yeah, I'll film from the hallway. He's like Fred from Scooby-Doo. Yeah. You know, right. There's the demon went that way. Scoob and Shaggy, go check it out. Yeah. <laughs> Wait. Right. What do you? <laughs> Why me? <laughs> you know, maybe he offered Nick a Scooby snack. Um, but but he he told Nick to go check it out, and an EVP on Nick's recorder, taken just after he entered the room, contains a very angry voice. Kids, plug your ears. It says, "Get out, God." You you can go listen to this, and I'll let you be the judge if that's <laughs> if that's really what it says. Yeah, if that's what what you think. Right. Um. But but Nick took a small group into the room and decided he was going to try to communicate with whatever entity was in there. Although it, it couldn't be audibly heard, a voice recorder, um, a voice recorded EVP can be heard after Nick asks if anyone followed him in there, saying, "I will." follow you and again if i didn't have the words at the bottom of the screen i don't necessarily think that's what i would have heard i don't think i would have heard anything else either i think i would have just heard a lot of yeah right but it's ghost adventures so yeah take, take take it with a grain of salt um but the story was was it was a big enough story um you know, that it was actually included in the book about uh, haunted uh, hospitals and insane asylums and things like that. So they right. actually included that story in there. Um, the third floor also seems like it's an active area for shadow figures where many people describe this heaviness, um, almost like an elephant sitting on your chest, which I'm like that. That that would be really heavy, mm -hmm. you know. May, maybe it's just like you know something something less heavy, but heavy being on your chest. Right. And an elephant would feel really really bad. You know, elephant but, would kill you. Yeah. So I'm thinking. Okay, I I I myself have felt that I have gone into places where it just feels like there's almost like a sorrow. Right. Yeah. Just exactly. It's it's like you, you you know that feeling of of being you know just hot and and bogged down you know it's it's the middle of the summer you're outside you're working and you just get this feeling that just something heavy is laying on you that's the kind of feeling that that I got mm -hmm. when when this happened to me um, and it's not pleasant no, it's but very it, draining it really sounds like. Yeah, it really sounds like this is what people experience when they visit the third floor at Ashmore Estates. Now, in, in an interview with Robin Terry, who is the current owner of Ashmore Estates, um, he was asked to describe what his first paranormal experience was like when, when he first started working on the building. Now, 
Robin says that in May of 2014, he was working on the third floor when he was overcome with this feeling that he needed to leave. Now, Robin claims that he isn't very sensitive to these things, but this time he began to feel very emotional about something in the house wanting him to go. At the time, Robin says he was no stranger to investigations, stating that he had been involved in over 250 investigations prior to this event. So he knew what he knew what was going on. Right. You right. know, he'd, he'd seen a lot of stuff. Wasn't his first rodeo. That's exactly right. So he said as the feelings got stronger, he decided to leave and he called his wife. And he said this was around 1 o'clock in the afternoon. So for him to be just calling it a day at 2.30 was very unusual. And so his wife was confused and asked him, why in the world would you leave right in the middle of the day? And Robin said, something in the house definitely doesn't want me there today. Right. Uh, And you saying that it happened May of 2014. I just, uh, to give people kind of a idea, they bought the Ashmore Estates May 3rd of 2014 uh robin and norma terry so this was like almost instantaneously that after they they bought it right right (laughs) it was saying nope you're you're invading my space and i want you out yeah exactly i mean new owner new people making changes yep so i mean all all of that That state of transition we've talked about exactly now Other sightings at Ashmore Estates include an apparition of a man jumping from an upstairs window to his quote-unquote death, um, and another figure of a man that's wearing a dressy top hat who roams around the hallways. And and from the research I did, these are full-scale apparitions. Right. I mean, these are not, what is that, or a shadow or anything. These are full-on, I can see... I can make out details, you know, things like that. Music is another common thing at Ashmore Estates. Music can be heard all throughout the building, along with singing coming from the empty music room. Now, Robin moved a piano in for the haunted house. Now, I don't think we mentioned this. They actually turned the building into like a commercial haunted house. Right. Like for people to come and visit, take the tour you know, get scared to death, you know, all this kind of stuff. You know, they, they did this. And, and for that purpose, Robin moved a piano in there and it's still there. And it had actually um, been turned into a haunted house um, by a previous owner um, right. in 2006, um, October 13th, 2006. Um, they opened the first haunted house at Ashmore Estates. So the Terry's just kind of are keeping it going, which I think yeah. is kind of cool, you know? Yeah, it's it's super cool. And I mean, I can remember in Nashville when uh, they turned the old Donaldson Hospital, which was empty, into a mm-hmm. haunted house, you know? Uh, that, yeah, that's freaky. <laughs> that's, it's pretty cool. I never went to it. You know, I'm I'm not I'm not scared to go through a haunted house. I just you know if i'm gonna if i'm gonna drop thirty five dollars to go through something i i really I, honestly i have a better way to spend my money but you know if that's <laughs> right. your gig if that's your gig 
man, full on. I mean, we we have got some insane haunted houses here in Nashville. This is this is a total aside. If you're ever going to be around Nashville in Halloween, we have got some crazy ones. I know the last couple of years we had one where you you had to sign a waiver. Yeah. Because they were going to touch you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's like you can go to the left and everybody will leave you alone. If you go to the right, sign this that you're not going to punch anybody or sue us right. for anything that happens to you because they're going to touch you yeah. and grab you, you and all get kinds grabbed, of stuff. Yeah. I, and I, I'm like, I wouldn't do that. I, I I don't think I could because my instinct would be to fight back. Yes. You know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, even if I, if I, I'm in there with the mindset of this is all, this is all for fun. This is all make believe. If I, if I'm startled to the point that somebody came up behind me in the dark and grabbed me, my, my, my reflex yeah. is going to take over to push them away. Yeah, you you're know? you're going to get your nose broke, and I'll get sued. You know? <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm not going through that one or or the other one. As a matter of fact, um, but back back to this piano, um, Hannah, the tour guide, she gives an account of giving a tour and hearing the piano playing downstairs. Now, Hannah asked her group to stay where they were while she went down to see if any tour stragglers had discovered the piano. When she arrived, she saw what she said was something standing in front of the piano. A few more notes clinked out, and the thing disappeared. That's wild. So, shadow figures can play the piano. Didn't know that, but... (laughs) They're they're very artistic. Apparently, one there can. Um, And and he's the the shadow figure of Johann Sebastian Bach. (laughs) That's better than the shadow figure of John Philip Sousa. Can you imagine? I agree. <laughs> you know, I take a little bit of offense to that because I played the tuba in high school. So <laughs> I'm slightly offended. <laughs> Triggered, man. Look, Triggered. Look, I, I don't want you marching up and down the hallway playing the tuba if I'm trying to sleep. So I don't want eh. me doing that either. So <laughs> No offense to tuba players, you know. Keep it during the daylight hour. Um, but th- this is this is a cool story. I found this story, and I think we're we're gonna we're gonna wrap up with this story. Local television weather personality Kevin Orpert stayed in the house overnight in 2009. Now he reported several in- incidents in the basement area where it felt as if something was trying to lift him off the ground. He says no. around 4 a.m., while the group he was with went up to the second floor to investigate, Orpert stayed on the first floor. He has no recollection of how he came to be body slammed to the floor, but he awoke in pain, surrounded by the rest of the group, who decided it was some type of evil spirit that didn't want him in the building. <laughs> like that's okay. a That's a good assumption. Yeah. So either he tripped yeah. and fell down and hurt himself, and he's like, oh, I got to save face. Yeah, you know? right, right. <laughs> or something there had enough energy to pick up a grown man and throw him to the floor. That's I, a lot of energy. I mean, you know, we've talked about this before with, with objects moving and how much energy theoretically it would take. Um to, to even you know move a lightweight object 
you know, we're, you know, we're talking about a, you know, probably a 180 to 200 pound man, pick him up mm-hmm. and throw him to the ground. Yeah. Very woofy. Um, yeah. <laughs> but if, if, here's you, my if thing, you got that reference, we can be friends. Um, but here's yeah. my thing though. He's a weatherman, right? Can you really trust a guy whose job it is to get up and guess on TV? <laughs> Yeah, that's what I used to always say. You know, if, if I was if if I was wrong at my job as many times as the weatherman yeah. is, I would have no job. Exactly. But I mean, honestly, can, who can predict the weather? You might, yeah. You know, if you ever met somebody that could legitimately predict the weather, I got a hmm. What else yeah. can you predict, brother? No uh, kidding. But you know, ashmore estates like i said i i had not heard of it when adam mentioned it but you know he kind of hit me with it he said hey this place is pretty haunted i think we ought to do a show about it and so when i started digging into it and finding you know a lot of these stories i was like wow you know this place is really active you know there's there's a lot going on here mm-hmm. um it other than uh than oh oh cameraman steve getting hit by a light bulb and uh the weatherman getting thrown to the floor it doesn't really seem like it's it's a dangerous place or you know that it's violent in any nature um but it's definitely pretty active and i think it's an amazing thing that robin terry has done by by keeping this place going for the sole purpose of having paranormal investigations done there i mean at the, at the least it's a lot of fun and and people are going to really have a great experience getting to go to a place like this and you know have the opportunity to have a uh, a paranormal experience right on, on the chance that all of this is legit or shoot even half of it is legit you know th- this could be a place where that person that just says this is a this is a crock you know all this paranormal investigating stuff is just a big joke and everybody's in on the joke and you know you're dumb to believe it to have an experience that may make them go hmm maybe i don't know the whole story yeah maybe maybe there's a lot more to this universe than what i'm able to understand and you know, like I said before, really, that's that's all Adam and I are doing. It's exactly. just putting it out there to say, hey, there's a whole lot of people that say this stuff goes on at this place or that place. Um, we, we, we haven't experienced it, but, you know, some of the some of the stuff that they've experienced is pretty compelling. Yeah, it's um, like when we first started the show, one of the quotes that. Uh, I talked about because I really loved was Neil deGrasse Tyson saying the universe is under no obligation to make sense to you. And I still feel like that's one of my favorite quotes because that's kind of what we do. None of this really makes complete sense. If you think about it in the, the way that society and everybody says we should think about the world. Yeah. You know, it, it doesn't, hold fast to physics or or anything like that and you know most of the world wants to believe that it's set out this way and this is the way it's always going to be and 
Matt and Matt and I's job is not to convince you one way or the other, but at least maybe get you to start thinking. Yeah. And this is a good get you to start thinking kind of place. And and stop letting your brain dictate what your senses, you know. Yes. Gather. Yeah. You know, what what do you see? What do you smell? What do you hear? What do you feel? You know, y- your mind can play tricks on you for sure. Oh, yeah. But, you know, if you're seeing something, if you're hearing something and you're feeling something, then maybe there's something there. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe maybe there's more to it. And, I, you know, I think we just we just want everybody to say, hey, I don't have to be closed minded to this idea that there's more. I mean, wouldn't it be cool if if one day we did learn that all of this is legit, that this is just how the world works? Yeah, you know, that would that, be great. That, you know, that, you know, there, there are spirits that get stuck for sure. And we know why, and we know how, I mean, that would be yep. amazing. You and I would finally be validated for once in our lives. <laughs> We'd be like, told you. Yeah. Ha, ha. Yeah. I think the biggest told you so would be what Zach Bagans would like rent out like the tallest building in Las Vegas and just have, <laughs> have like this gi- giant sound system. Told you so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but only yeah. about 3% of what I did was real, but I told you so. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, we said it was real, but don't yeah. believe everything on my show. I'm a kidder. I kid uh, some. Um, some. Slightly. But hey, we, we want to know what you guys think. Um, maybe some of you guys, like Adam said at the top of the show, you live close enough um, that you could visit this place. Or uh, or maybe you have visited this place or know someone, and maybe you've got a story about it. Let us know. Um, our Facebook group is the perfect place to do that. Um, it's a nice, safe environment full of great people to share these kind of stories without being made fun of or called a loony or anything else. We want to hear them because I think everybody in our group uh, has some story that makes them go, I think this might be legit. I don't yeah. know for sure, but this is what happened to me, and I'm interested to hear what happened to you. So and there's new there. stuff happening. Like we've had people post about recent activity, yeah, stuff that's happening like that day. Yeah, you know that's happened. This is happening to me right now. You know, so you know, get in on that action. It, it's a lot of fun, and and people are posting in there daily. It's not one of these groups you're going to get in and it's just sits dormant, or you're going to have to scroll through a bunch of you know, junk post. It's, it's, it's a really good environment and, uh, we're pretty proud of it. Uh, oh yeah. But we're on social media on Twitter, Instagram. Um, Adam is the chief Twitter, but check us out. That'll keep you kind of updated on where the show is going and what's coming up. Um, check out our website as Adam mentioned, uh, it's graveyardpodcast.com. And on the website, you can listen to the show. You can find links to buy our merchandise. You can find information about our upcoming live shows and you can become a patron. And thank you so much to everyone who has donated to the show. Um, Please, if you would go and rate and review us on iTunes, it gets us up the charts and it helps bring more people into the graveyard. Mm -hmm. So until next time, we'll save you a seat in the graveyard. See you soon. (laughs) 